The Red Sox are resilient and win off the back of Connor Wong. You are Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to welcome you back into the Locked On Red Sox podcast, and thank you so much for making Locked On Red Sox your first listen of every single day. I'm your host, Jake Nizuski, and here back with Nessens, Lauren, Willen. How are we doing, Lauren? It's good I'm, to have you back. It's good to be back. I was in North Carolina for the last two weeks for a vacation, a friend's wedding, road trip through the Outer Banks. It was much needed, and apparently while I was gone, the Red Sox decided to win a few games, so maybe I just need to go away for the Red Sox to reset because I've I'm reset now, and I feel great. And apparently so do the Red Sox. Also, they're better than the Yankees. Yankees are in last place. <laughs> they are. They absolutely are. They are, according to these standings, they are in last place. And the Red Sox aren't that far above them. But, <laughs> you know, moral victories, so they say. When it, on uh, the Locked on Jays crossover, I said, you know, it doesn't matter if they have the same exact record, at least when we were recorded a few days ago. The alphabetical order ma- makes me smile just seeing the Red Sox above the Yankees. Like, I don't care if the record, like, speaks for itself. As long as the Red Sox are above the Yankees, that's all I care about. That's what, that, I mean, that's what Red Sox fans like to see, right? Is that after how the season started, the offseason, the, 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 the trades, the, the, the lack of kind of building this team, I guess, in the offseason, Yankees fans were very, very loud about the the Red Sox being bad. And now they're dealing with their own injuries. I don't think that this is who the Yankees are by any means. I think they'll be fine. Just they'll 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 be back in in the chase in a matter of by by the end of May, I, I'm sure of it. But it's it's just fun. Like it's, it's just fun to have that that fun banter, that rivalry. Like, yeah, like we're gonna both of us fight for last place now. Let's go. Yeah, we got to take advantage of this while well, well, we got it. Uh, but I want to start off this episode looking at these last two games. And even since you've left, these two players have become really resilient for this Red Sox team. Alex Verdugo and Connor Wong. Obviously, these first two Blue Jays games, those two guys have been the heroes. And in my mind, wait, I, I thought the Red Sox lost the Mookie Best trade. Well, I mean, I think that... I, I know what you're saying, but we're not going to know who won, who <laughs> lost that trade for, for, until like people are retired. But, I mean, listen, these these two look really good right now, and that's all you can ask for. I mean, you wanted the best from Alex Verdugo. He was that MLB-ready player in that trade. Connor Wong, we saw some struggles last year. He struggled a little bit to start this year, but he's just been so, so good. And that's, that's what you want to see when you get those kinds of prospects in a trade that includes someone like Mookie Betts. And it's it's just so good to see that 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 offense come alive because we we saw some of that last year in Worcester. We saw a lot of the the power bat from him. So to see it now and to see it, you know, hitting balls over the monster and coming in clutch when you truly need it. Like I was watching the game. I was like, oh, God, I just wanted a quick ish game. The Blue Jays kept coming back, but it was it was fun to see. It's fun to watch. And it's really great to see that, especially Verdugo and Wong do very very well the last few games and it's it's just a lot of fun i'm saying fun a lot but that's exactly what i'm having watching them and that's clearly what they're having playing this game 
And going into this morning, Alex Verdugo, in terms of the offensive rankings in the American League, was first in doubles, second in hits, second in home runs, second in average, second in slugging, third in runs, third in OBP, third in walks, and third in OPS. Breaking out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that's a, those are good numbers. And those are something, again, that you like to see. And he's been very, very good for this team. And now it's, you know, there were a lot of questions going into the season about where he kind of stood with the Red Sox. What will his role be? And as he continues to, to be strong and play the way he has, is he going to get more of, of a role and kind of be that, that 1A instead of that 1B? Right. And, you know, I, I think especially with what we've seen, anytime there's a situation for him to come up big, he has, has, you know, four walk-offs uh, so far in, in this season. And, you know, B or excuse me, the Red Sox have four. He has three of them. And, you know, it's been really nice to see him be, be that guy that comes up clutch when the Red Sox need it. And, and it's not a situation where, you know, he comes up and you're like, oh, shoot, what's really going to happen? You have the confidence now in Alex Verdugo that he's going to be the guy that comes up big. And, you know, I said something earlier, like I think first week when, when I started this podcast. And, you know, I, I didn't really know how it would ring true, you know, a, a year later. And I don't fully think that I don't fully believe this and we won't we know this until at the end of Alex Verdugo's career, but you know he looked at David Ortiz as you know a guy that he looked up to throughout you know his childhood, and you know obviously the, their relationship you know was very well documented right when he came over with the Red Sox, and you know they have very similar you know nicknames, Doogie Poppy. You know one th and the thing that I said is I I think there might be some point where Alex Verdugo's Doogie nickname is is as well known or rung true. Not maybe as much as David Ortiz, but close at some point with his clutchness and his resiliency. And I, not to say he's anywhere close to that up to this point, but he's definitely showing what David Ortiz showed throughout his Red Sox career with coming up clutch in those types of situations. Yeah, I mean, there, there will never be another David Ortiz and Big Poppy or anything like that. But to see, you know, to see him come clutch, come up clutch in those situations, I mean, I can say that about anyone where I see like someone comes up clutch in a situation and I'm like, oh, like David Ortiz used to do that. But to see Verdugo continue to do that, you know, two nights in a row and then just continue the momentum at the plate. He looks good. He's obviously feeling good. We know that he had some injuries last year that he was dealing with. But this guy is clearly 100% healthy. And Alex Cora called him out at the end of last season and said that he needs to play better. They expect more from him. And he took that as motivation. He didn't take that as you know a shot at him, but he used that as motivation. And now he's an incredible player for the Red Sox. He's coming up clutch in those situations. And he's bringing the energy. And you, you need that energy. You do need that that person, that kind of that rah-rah guy in the dugout. Every team needs one of those guys. And if you can do that and also be the person who's going to put your team in a position to win, let's go. Right. And, you you know, one of the words that I used right when we started this episode is resilient. Now, I think, you know, you could – that rings true with, with, you know, not only Monday's game but also Tuesday's game. But I think one thing you got to look at is – the Red Sox shouldn't have had to be resilient in, in those last two games. You know, they had the lead right. and then lost it. And then, and then we're sort of forced to try and get back to it and win it. And, th and they had to be resilient. And that was the only way that they were going to get the W. But I think especially not only what we saw from Verdugo, you know, specifically on, on Monday, but Jaron Durant finding a way to hit a game tying home run. You know, he's another guy who's caught fire since, since you left two weeks ago. 
Yeah, he has. And, you know, we have talked oh, a lot about Jaron Duran and how he has to you know, mature a lot. He has to kind of get out of that negative headspace that he's been in for a while. And maybe he's gotten, you know, he talked about his mental health last year. Maybe he's gotten the help to kind of get himself in, in the right mindset. Whatever he's doing, maybe change the swing a little bit, his stance at the plate. He's It's working. And to see, you know, I know that we say like this is why we don't really hype up. We shouldn't hype up the prospects because then they have all this this pressure on them already. But maybe he just needed a year or two to just kind of figure out who he was as an MLB player. Now, this is not us saying that this is going to continue for the rest of the season. It's it's only May, and we're still very early on. But he's making the most of his opportunity here. And it was the, from the second he was called up, he just kind of started to make an impact. And he's continued to do that over the last two weeks. He did it on Tuesday night. And he just continues to – he's going to make it hard for Alex Cora once everyone is back on on this roster, 100% healthy. Cora is going to have some hard decisions. And that's what we've talked a lot about too is that these players, like you know the Bobby Delbecks, the Jaron Durans, even Tapia, we talked about him. Like They have to make it hard on Alex Cora to make the decisions to start them or send them to Worcester. And Duran's doing just that. And it's really nice to see him turn it around. I know how I've had my opinions on Jaron Duran. And I'm happy to be wrong. At least for right now. I'm happy to be wrong. I'm happy to see him turn things around and to be a, a valuable contributing player to this Red Sox team. And he's somebody that, you know, excites you about this Red Sox future. And, you, you know, I think another buddy, another person who does that as well is Manuel Valdez, at least with his bat. Right now, seeing him get his first home run, you know, going two for four in Monday's game, it's tough to not put a smile on your face, especially with, with you know, the emotion that he showed going around first base. He was hype about that baseball. And, you know, even Duran, too, when he hit the game tie-in, you know, home run, just the emotion that those two young guys showed, it, it just made me so excited about Red Sox baseball from years to come. Yeah, it was fun. I love seeing when, you know, the the young prospect and the, the person who comes over in a trade like that makes an impact and just the you said the, the emotion, the fun they're having. And it's always exciting when you hit your first home run. It's fun when you get your first hit, your first double, whatever it is. But when you hit your first home run at Fenway Park in front of your home crowd, you're using the monster. It's it's different and it's fun and it's exciting. And it was really great to see that emotion from Valdez. You could tell that it was maybe it was just kind of like stuck in his mind. Like you have to get this home run. You have to do something big here. And just letting all that out as a release is is really, really cool to see. I hope he I hope he continues this kind of you know, I don't want to call it just power because he hits one home run, but I, I want to continue to see that and just continue to see that excitement and to play with that, that kind of raw excitement that we see what we saw when he was rounding the bases. It was just a lot of a lot of fun. It was great to see, and it's something that I'm still watching. Like, it's still popping up on my Twitter timeline, right? whether it's the the video, of the home run, or the still photos. It's just awesome. I I think uh, we've been filled with so many of those exciting moments in April. It it's sort of just like a sorry, you know, you didn't get a lot of those in 2022 in my mind. Yeah, 100. <laughs> like yes, there was not a lot of that at all. I think that we had more negative episodes than positive ones just because the Red Sox weren't scoring runs with runners in scoring position. They weren't taking advantage of putting the ball in play. They weren't swinging the bat well. And everyone seems to be swinging the bat well to some degree. And it's exciting to see because it's not just the Raphael Devers on a night like Tuesday when he goes cold. It's the Connor Wongs. It's the Yoshidas. It's the Durants. It's everyone else who 
should be stepping up when your kind of quote unquote star players go cold. I agree. And, you know, it's, it's nice that, you know, this is one of those positive episodes and we're going to continue the positivity going into our next segment, you know, covering uh, Tuesday's great win seven to six against the Blue Jays. But before we do that, Lauren wants to talk to you about Rocket Money. So Rocket Money, I've been using now for a few months. And it's if you're like me, maybe you forget that you have some subscriptions that you've subscribed to, whether that's like Amazon Prime or Hulu. And Rocket Money helps you find the subscriptions that you've subscribed to that you've forgotten about, that maybe you don't realize you're spending that monthly fee on. Rocket Money can alert you to change in your spending or subscriptions. That And it's, and it's saved me money. It saved me almost over $100 per month just for subscriptions I completely forgot about. So Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending and helps you lower your bills. Who doesn't want that? It's all in one place. It's all in the Rocket Money app. Over 80% of people have subscriptions that they forgot about. I just told you I am one of those 80% of people. Chances are you might be one of them as well. And like the Stars app, just to watch the Stars app, you can watch your shows on. There's the free gaming trial that you don't actually need that ended up turning into that $3.99 a month monthly subscription. Rocket Money will quickly and easily find those subscriptions for you. And you don't have to pay for those anymore. Just hit cancel and Rocket Money will cancel it for you right there. It is that easy. And it also helps you manage your finances in one place and automatically categorize your expenses so you can easily track your budget in real time and also get alerted to anything that maybe looks off. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, saving the average person up to $720 a year. So stop throwing your money away, cancel your unwanted subscriptions, and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash MLB. That is rocketmoney.com slash MLB. One more time for those in the back, rocketmoney.com slash MLB. So I'm grateful that we're speaking positively about this Tuesday game because it looked at a moment where it could get very negative very quickly. The Sox were winning 3-0 going into the fifth inning, and Tanner Houck was cruising. And then, you know, what usually happens with some of his starts, you know, whether it's the third time around the order or, you know, just the fifth inning hits, Tanner Houck loses it. Game blows up. Six run, fifth inning for the Blue Jays. They find a way to not only break the tie, but take the lead. And uh, I, I thought it was really interesting. Tom Karen put uh, out on Twitter in the first inning through the third in his six starts so far this season, Tanner Houck has pitched 18 innings and has a one ERA. Four through the sixth, he's pitched 12 innings, 11.25 ERA. So when you look at one to third, that's two earned runs. And then four to six, that's 15 earned runs. So you're not like, oh, four to six, this is a small sample size. So that's why the ERA is so big. No, it's a massive difference. It is. And I know that we have discussed whether Tanner Houck belongs in the bullpen or as a starter. And I mean, he's looked good at times this season. He's had some great starts this season. And maybe you're looking at those numbers, the, the innings one through three. And, but you know, that that's kind of always been his thing, right? He gets through the first two innings, the third as well. And then the fourth, maybe in the third, but then the fourth, you know, he's definitely starting to struggle. So maybe Alex Cora looks at this once the rotation is healthy and maybe they use Tanner Houck as kind of an opener kind of, kind of person or a longer reliever because he's clearly getting things done in the first three innings that he's pitching and he's effective and he's got a lot of, I think he has a lot more confidence this year, a lot more confidence than we saw last year. 
And I want him to be utilized the best way possible. And I certainly do not want him to go from starter to bullpen, bullpen to starter. We, we know what that does to pitchers. But if you can utilize him and get the most out of him, maybe that is, you know, an opener kind of role. Let him go three innings. Or maybe it's a day that, I mean, like today, the, uh, the Tuesday, the, the bullpen needed a rest. Not that they needed a rest. They needed the starter to go because the bullpen was short. So if you can, you know, leverage him to the best of his ability to help this team win, no, three innings isn't going to be great if your bullpen is short like it was Tuesday. But you go forward when you're everyone's a bit healthier and better rested, not overly used or overused as much. Maybe, maybe he does kind of take a different role and not necessarily be a starter, but be an opener. We know how that kind of goes out too. We've seen the Rays do it. The Red Sox have tried to do that before and it's backfired, but you have the right guy in there might be worth doing that kind of role for him. And, you know, it's not a bad idea. And and it's interesting because you know, the guys over on, uh, you know, the name redacted podcast, you know, Jared Robbins, Tyler Milliken and them, they actually brought up the idea of how Rich Hill and Tanner Houck were sort of combined together in their outings. You know, Rich Hill would go three innings and then Houck would follow him after that going three innings, sort of like, you know, how Cutter Crawford has done a few times out of the bullpen. And, you know, they brought up doing it with Paxton, you know, to help him ease back in. And, you know, I I remember listening to that in, in the car. I was just like, it's not a bad idea, you know, but you got You got to have a defined role for him. And, yes. you know, if you are going to piggyback him off a guy like Paxton or off another guy who maybe is struggling in the rotation, you know, that needs to be his role. And then, you know, continue that you know, with multi innings as a reliever. You know, I agree. Can't go flip flop backing with him, but I, I think you've seen his strength so far. You know, the, the first one through three, I, I think that's we know we know who Tanner Houck is at this point. You know, right. we've seen the sample size. Uh, you know, it's been really nice how he's been, you know, statistically the best Red Sox starter in this rotation right now. That's great. But at the same time, you know, tonight was a perfect example. You had the lead. Tanner Howe lost it and, and sort of, you know, blew it up with six earned runs. And, you know, that's definitely tough to swallow. And, you know, there's going to be those games where the team isn't resilient enough to come back. And, you know, th- those are tough losses to swallow. And if you're able to avoid those situations as much as possible, in my opinion, that's best because, Yes, this Red Sox offense is hitting the cover off of the baseball right now, but they're going to have their stretches where they don't do that. They are. And, you know, it's you, you brought up Tanner Hooks statistically being the best starter right now. And, I mean, that's, that's great. That's great for him. That's great for the team. It's probably great for his confidence as well. But you're going to have – you're going to have games like Tuesday and we've seen a lot of these games kind of already where the starter starts well, but they, the, the opponents find a way to crawl back and the Red Sox are fighting their way back this time. They're finding ways to win games, but it's just not sustainable. I mean, I could compare it to the Boston Bruins who had the best regular season ever in NHL history. They played from behind so much this regular season and it, happened in the playoffs and they they weren't able to come back now that's the Red Sox are not going to be on that kind of path but it's just it's not sustainable to continue to play from behind it makes Mm -hmm. for a very thrilling game and a very exciting podcast that we get to do it changes our mood entirely but it's just you know they could have held the lead they they led a few times at one point in this game they could have held on to the lead and it's just like okay they got a little bit of luck from from the Blue Jays and some some I don't want to call it sloppy defense. I think it was just losing the ball. I guess that's sloppy, but it's 
I don't know. You want more, even though they won and we're excited about that, you still want more from this team. You want to see them, you don't want to see them come from behind, win 7-6. You want to see them win 3-2, 3-0, and just hold on to that lead when they have it because that's that's that's, that's what's going to win you games at the end of the day. You don't want to keep playing from behind. It's just going to tire the guys out at the end of the day. And, you know, they wouldn't have won the game if if Connor Wong, you know, d- didn't have the game right. of his life. You well, know, yes. we're, we're, we're going to consider this sort of like, you know, the the uh, game last season where Trevor Story went off and essentially won the game for the Sox. That was a Trevor Story game. Yes. This is the Connor Wong game. I, I think he's been using some of those dumbbells that Massa <laughs> had and getting huge because four for four night, you know, was a triple shy of the cycle, had a double, a single, two home runs. He's nine for 12 in his last three games. That's a 750 batting average with three home runs. And then, you know, another guy who's playing really well as well, who's able to, you know, tack on a home run is Christian Arroyo, who's first of the season. And, you know, he's somebody who, you know, when you were gone, I brought up with Gordo, how much of a leash are you going to give him? And, you know, now he's batting 438 in his last seven games. So, boy, did he shut me up. It was funny when I was away and they, uh, he, he was removed from the game with the hamstring tightness. And I was like, oh, here we go. Like, yeah. goodness gracious, what's going to happen now? And, yeah, I mean, it was, it's great to see him also contribute to the win on Tuesday. And it's just been – I mean, Connor Wong, you said Yoshida. He's just been unbelievable. And I know there was a lot of question marks. We had a lot of questions about him as well going into this season, particularly, you know, if he was going to be – serviceable to this team and I think you said he shut you up I think he shut me up I think at least in the beginning of May he shut a lot of people up and Mm -hmm. it's so great to see because I I love watching this guy play he's so much fun and I love that they've adopted that dumbbell thing because of him and made (laughs) him feel even more welcome it's some like smaller stuff like that but to see him just kind of just mash the ball and be serviceable and be strong for this team is huge because I know I had my doubts. I know several people out there have their doubts. And it's just, he. I mean, I don't have any doubt. I mean, he'll, he's going to go through a slump. Of course, he's going to go through a slump. It's his first Major League Baseball year. But right now, I think Red Sox fans have a lot to be happy about when it comes to Yoshida. Yeah, I actually had to, uh, I brought this up a few weeks ago on the podcast, the, the Massachusetts shirt that Sox Attic oh, was yeah, telling. Yeah. I had yes. to get one. I just had to. Uh, and I had to, I had to get the... Uh, I had to get the green one because I felt like of it just course. fits so well. And what he's been able to do is unbelievable. And being able to, you know, I think he still leads the majors right now, um, you know, in hits since since he came out of his slump, which is incredible. And what he's been able to do power-wise has just, you know, shocked a lot of people. I think you could even bring up the defense as well. Two for three night, extended his 12-game hitting streak, and has done exactly what you what you're sort of asked him to do. And, you know, another person I want to give his flowers as well is Rob Refsnyder. Two for three game, two RBIs. And one thing that, you know, Craig said to me during the Jays crossover is he's like, you know, Refsnyder is hitting the cover off the baseball against lefties. And, you know, I, I didn't expect this type of game. Yeah, I, I mean, I certainly didn't either. And I'm just, it's really nice to see him. I talked earlier about how you kind of have those unsung heroes, the people who are stepping up and the ones who are maybe had a lot of doubt around them being like, oh, does, does he really belong on this team? Why is he still on this team? But he's proving that, at least right now, he's got a spot on this team because he's coming in clutch. He's, he's hitting the ball, he's putting the ball in play, he's scoring runs or he's driving runs in. And that's important. We saw so much of this last year that the Red Sox just could not score. 
They could not drive in runs. They could not figure out how to score with runners in scoring position. They constantly left men on base. And that's still, you know, that, that's always going to be there. But to see them taking advantage of it and seeing people you know, like Rob Refschneider do that is exciting. And it's something that, you know, he's a he could be an X factor for this team or like an unsung hero for this team where he can just he can be good when you need him to. You can slot him into that lineup and at the end of the day, he's going to give you 110% because he knows that he has a lot to fight for, and it's paying off right now. And we're going to continue the positivity in this episode with some very positive updates in our third and final segment. Before we do that, I want to talk to you about So Rare. So, so Rare is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 MLB teams. It's unlike any other fantasy baseball platform. So Rare managers truly own their fantasy experience by collecting, buying, selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. Win or loss, you still own your cards and there's no cost to play. Plus, the more that you win, the more you advance, collecting more increasingly powerful cards and assessing the next level competitions and rewards. And another great part about So Rare is that they're partnering with MLB All-Stars Juan Soto and Julio Rodriguez to serve as brand ambassadors, and they'll be taking part in MLB events throughout the season. So check out So Rare today and head over to SoRare.com slash locked on. That's spelled S-O-R-A-R-E.com to draft your team of free players, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's SoRare.com slash locked on to start playing today. So the first thing that I want to touch on in terms of the positive updates is Zach Kelly underwent a successful owner nerve trans position revision in his right elbow and yeah, not medical today. professionals here <laughs> not medical professionals tried my best there but luckily there is no you know time timeable recovery just yet but luckily he went through a successful procedure that's all we ask yeah and he posted on twitter as well that he's good to go and he's excited to get back to work and i saw that uh, chris catillo of mass live said that sources are telling him that he could be ready by september so it wow. sounds like that he dodged a huge bullet. I know that we were all worried that this was Tommy John surgery, that just his reaction alone was like, this is not good. And obviously it's, you know, it's still September, still months away. It's still four months away, but to see him in good spirits, to know that he underwent the surgery uh, successfully. I'm glad he went for that second opinion because he knew that something wasn't right. And I'm glad that it wasn't Tommy John. I'm glad that he's not lost for an extended, a longer extended period of time. You know, he's a friend of the pod. We, we've talked about how, great that his story is how hard he's worked to get to MLB and it sounds like he's hopefully going to be back this season he was pitching well for the Red Sox this year the bullpen probably could have used him the last couple of days with how much they've been how they've been worked but just positive all around I'm so happy for him like I said I'm so happy it's not Tommy John I would have just been I would have been gutted for the guy like he's just got so much he had so much going for him and just really, really good to see. So hopefully we do see him back on the mound this year. That'd be great for him, great for the Red Sox. And I'm just, you know, glad he's in good spirits. At the end of the day, that's what matters. And I think with the amount of injuries that the Red Sox have right now and have had so far this season, the positive news, that that's all we ask. You know, it's right. it's tough to see some of those 
injury updates when a guy does go down, but especially when, you know, there's a path towards quick recovery or, or, you know, timeable recovery within this season, that that's all you can really ask for. And, and it's tough to not be happy about that. Another thing about Garrett Whitlock as well, he had a follow up today with a doctor per source, no owner nerve symptoms in his uh, exam today. He threw out to 45 feet. And one thing that I'm curious about is, did he get this because he's, he's, you know, stretching himself out too far. And, you know, is, is this, because he's a starter and I'm curious to see how the Red Sox really go about bringing him back. And, you know, if he's slide right back in the rotation once again. Yeah. I think if they are committed to him being a starter that they have, that's what they have to do. They have to make sure that he's you know coming back as a starter, but stretch him out properly. Um, maybe it's, you know, maybe it is his body getting used to being a starter. He's never, you know, he's, that's how he was drafted. That's how he was developed. But we saw, when he was plucked from the Yankees in that rule five draft, how effective he was out of the bullpen. That's where he would, that's the most of his work. That's where his, that's how as far as he was stretched out as. So maybe that had something to do with it. I'm glad it's nothing serious because when I saw he was getting a second opinion, I'm like, great, here we go. Tommy John surgery. Like, second opinion to me. I'm like, great. Tommy John surgery. I don't care if it's for your hip. I'm like, Tommy John, that's it. That's it. Season ending. But it's been, it's been a, a crazy season already for Whitlock and I am excited to see him back. You know, he's, I, I want him in the bullpen, but like I said, I'm going to give him that honest chance as a starter. He has shown really good promise as a starter. He had that, I think it was his first start while I was away was really, really strong before he got hurt. And it's, I, I'm just glad it's not serious. Okay. We, we like these good vibes. We love the good vibes and the, the positive updates on these pitchers, especially people who are supposed to be, or who plan to be a big part of the pitchers, whether that's starter or in the bullpen. And, you know, I, I think it's a valid question that the Red Sox probably have already asked themselves because, you know, the hip surgery was caused due to him being thrown into being a starter and then obviously going back uh, and, you know, trying to be a reliever. And I, th I think I agree with you at this point, the Sox just need to stick it, stick to this, but, you know, he, he's showing, unfortunately that he's injury prone up to the point that he's been with the Red Sox, you know, you know, he's, he's had a lot of time off um, has been very effective when he is on the field, but this is something that you got to consider and really be careful about. If you want him to be a big part of your future, make sure, you, you know, he obviously injuries are going to come up, but do everything that you can to avoid those. And, you know, at times you can't, uh, but you know, another piece of positive news that I wanted to bring up is not regarding specifically this current Red Sox team, but it's regarding a trade that was made uh, not only you know during the trade deadline, but also during the offseason. Jake Diekman and Frank Herman were both designated for assignment. And when you look at the return that the Red Sox got from them, Reese McGuire hitting over 400. I think he had the best batting average since being traded uh, over at the trade deadline in the majors. Taylor Broadway not only shoved for Portland when he came over from the trade has doing has been doing relatively well with Worcester has had his hiccups, but then also Theo Denlinger who came over in the Franklin Herman trade has a 0.87 ERA and is dominating double A. In my opinion, that's two dubs for Heim. That's, I mean, that's, I don't want to say that's what you'd like to see because you don't want to see anybody, you know, get DFA'd or anything, but it's, a win for the Red Sox because you're looking at, you know, is Bruce McGuire like something to go write home about? No, probably not, but he's not DFA'd, not yet anyway, but Connor Wong's coming for that starting catching position. That's for sure. But we, 
yeah, I mean, two former Red Sox in one day getting DFA'd and getting, um, you know, shut out by their their new team. Yeah, sure. I we'll call we'll call it a win. We we can call it a win. I'll give that to Hyam, but it's it's um it's unfortunate for for the White Sox that they had to they made a ton of moves on Tuesday. I couldn't believe when they tweeted. I was like eleven. Like 11. I was yeah. like that's. I was like, is that a typo? That's ridiculous. But got to do what you got to do. But the Red Sox are not impacted by those two guys anymore, which is that that's a win right there. So. Hopefully McGuire can keep doing this. Hopefully Broadway, you know, friend of the pod, Taylor Broadway can continue doing what he's doing in Portland and we'll see him in Worcester soon. And at the end, I mean, the ultimate end goal is to get to the Red Sox. Hopefully we do see him there, but all right, I'll, I'll give Hyam Bloom this win. Small win, but I'll give to him. I am curious to see at least with Herman if the Sox do, uh, you know, try and grab him. If, if he does, uh, not, you know, pass through waivers or, or whatever, you know, cause he's going to ultimately have a decision to either be traded or, get option down and so you know obviously they they would probably have to add him onto the 40 it would be a whole thing and then they would probably designate him for assignment and try to put him down in Worcester but if you're able to stock him down in Worcester and I think if they're able to get at least Herman back uh and successfully get him back I mean that that's a bona fide dub right there and you also continue to win the Adam Adovino deal as well uh not not only getting another prospect bad back for Herman but you know getting them back if if it happens but you know that that was one thing when i saw uh that update put a smile on my face there's a lot of different things uh regarding the red Sox that put a smile on my face but we hope that you know watching and listening to this episode today put a smile on your face and you know as always we greatly appreciate everybody tuning in to the locked on red Sox podcast for my everydayers uh tomorrow we're going to be recapping the third game against the blue jays but you know, also, if you want to stay updated about everything that's happening regarding the Boston Red Sox, make sure to subscribe over on YouTube or whatever audio platforms that you listen to. Also, follow Lockdown Red Sox over on Twitter. It's LO underscore Red Sox. Follow myself. It's at Jake Iggy. And also, Lauren is La La La. Three laws. Lauren with four R's. But as always, we greatly appreciate everybody tuning in. Keep the faith. Stay positive, And let's go Sox. Peace.